Good evening, my fellow investors. Welcome back to a new episode of the Newcomer Investor Channel, where we talk about stocks, share insights, and debate. Now, before moving any further, I do have to remind you that nothing I say is financial advice. Obviously, it's entertainment only. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you what I do. But I have made lots of mistakes. I keep making mistakes and I will make many more. So you should always do your own research and invest accordingly. Now for the first item on our agenda, I've announced this, I believe on Twitter on Friday, but I have finally exited my position in OpenText Corporation. Ticker symbol OTEX, O-T-E-X. Now, the first thing I want to say about this sale is I do want to reassure if you are someone who currently owns this company, this is not me thinking that it is not a good stock to hold. In fact, it's one of my favorite tech stocks uh, in Canada. I can't really think of many others that have managed to grow their free cash flow so well and have such a good dividend growth record as well. They also have a excellent record of acquisitions where they just keep buying tech companies and integrating them into their ecosystem and, and delivering really solid returns overall. So nothing wrong with open text. This has everything to do with me wanting to take risk off of the table. It goes without saying we are in a troublesome macroeconomic environment. Rates are still high. We don't really know what the next few months are going to look like. And with that, if there are ways that I can just remove some risk and take some profits from peripheral stocks. So those are companies that I like, but I'm not super passionate about. If I can do that, then I'm happy to do so. Now I bought OpenText as a uh, opportunistic trade back in the end of November or December 2022 when the stock had dipped so hard, I felt like that dip wasn't really warranted. But now the stock is up quite significantly since then. I don't know how much more upside there is for the next 12 months or so. And I thought, you know what, it's a good time to just take that profit. Just take the win, you know? Now the stock may go up even more. Uh, in fact, it may just get started at this point, but I'll take the win. I'm okay with limiting my upside. I'm happy to just take this money now. Another key factor in my decision to sell the stock, uh, and I do want to give a shout out to many of you on Twitter who've put this on my radar, and also Dividend King, uh, who mentioned this to me uh, in our discussion that we had. If you haven't heard that episode, check it out. Cash is becoming attractive nowadays. Yes, you heard me right. Because interest rates are so high, you can now just have cash and get a high interest and actually get paid a pretty decent amount that way too. So I've been looking at this ETF called cash.to, which is an ETF that basically just <laughs> invests in uh, high yield savings accounts. And you get a four to 5% dividend or distribution from that. And of course the, the risk is literally zero. So now if you were to compare this with, say, a tech stock like OpenText, dividend yield current at current prices, I think is around 2.5 or 3%, something like that. You compare that, which is a, you know, risky equity. I mean, again, they have a great track record. They've done really well. They've acquired this new company, MicroFocus. I expect them to do well, but there is that operational risk. We don't really know if it'll be perfect. You compare that to just holding cash that pays you 4 to 5% distribution. The cash option becomes nice right now, not gonna lie. So I plan to park this money in this ETF for the time being until I see a good opportunity. And I could see a good opportunity as early as next week. As far as watch list goes, my friends, this week is an important week because we're going to get earnings from our tech giants being Apple, Microsoft, Google, Meta, and Amazon. As we know, these five companies combined make up something like 20, 25% of the S&P 500 index's value. So they are, very important for the broader economy and they will affect the index either up or down uh, or it could maybe not affect it too much either we'll see so 
I, as I've told you already, I already own small positions in Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Meta. I do not own Amazon. Nothing really wrong with Amazon. I'm just not a huge fan of them in general. Now, I'm obviously not the type to make predictions, but if I had to make predictions, I would think it's those might be interesting earnings reports just because we may start seeing uh, the beginning of the impacts of some of the mass layoffs that they've done uh, over the course of the end of last year, uh, especially Google and, and Meta. So I'm just curious to see how that will pan out. I, I do note that, of course, they have to still pay severance and things like that. So costs may still be elevated. But yeah, I'm curious to see what those cost reductions are going to look like. Zuckerberg has famously said this is going to be Meta's year of efficiency. We'll see how efficient they are. I'm also curious to see the news on this AI war between Google and Microsoft. I think Google right now is starting to look a little attractive, to be honest. I think a lot of investors have really started writing them off at this point. Uh, of course, the search business is under threat. Um, and of course, you know, Microsoft with their whole AI uh, stuff and ChatGPT. It's scary for Google. There's still a lot to like about them, not to mention YouTube, right? YouTube's such a good asset and, and they have many of those like that. So I like Google. It's definitely becoming a candidate for me in terms of where I want to reallocate my money from open text, uh, if I want to stay within the tech sector at least. And I think at least here with, with this kind of thinking, you get more of an idea of my personal investing philosophies. I love dividends. I love dividend growth stocks and open text is one, but dividends are not everything to me. So my uh, projected annual dividend income has decreased now with this open text sale. And if I were to buy Google, let's say, with that money, then I would get less dividends because Google doesn't pay a dividend. But for me, the quality of the company and of the business, that is more important than the dividend. If it pays a dividend, that's great and something that I'm really happy about and I'll take into consideration, but it's not everything to me. Now, our next topic may be of interest for our Canadian listeners. Uh, it's about our banks, because of course we all love our banks over here in Canada. Some news from Scotiabank, which happens to be my second, no, sorry, my first largest bank holding, and also unfortunately Canada's worst bank, at least by results. There's no way around it, you know, they have underperformed uh, all the other big five uh, over the last 20 years. But there may be signs of a new start, a fresh beginning. The new CEO coming in said all the right things. He didn't bury his head in the sand and say, you know, we're great, nothing wrong with us here. But rather, he actually immediately acknowledged they have not delivered the results that we as shareholders should expect of them. It has just not been good. And they need to fix this right now. Now, this new CEO's name is Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson's latest move came just uh, on April 10th. We have a reorganization here with a new head of international banking. His name is Francisco Aristeguieta. He most recently worked at State Street Corp. And before that, he was at Citigroup, overseeing Latin America and Asia Pacific regions. So widely experienced guy in terms of international banking operations, obviously. Now, according to analysts, he has a very positive, impressive track record. Uh, and this move of putting him in charge at Scotiabank for everything international is seen as a broader positive move for the bank. Now, when you look at how Scotiabank organizes its uh, segments by country, they have grouped four specific countries together, being Mexico, Chile, Peru, and Colombia. They call them the Pacific Alliance. Uh, it is a regional trading block they created in 2011. Interestingly enough, the results have actually been very uneven for Scotiabank within these four countries. 
So as part of their strategic review, they've really started trying to drill down into what is going on, and they've really highlighted Mexico as the blueprint. They would like the rest of international banking for Scotiabank to look like Mexico. Mexico is the one Pacific Alliance country where they have a return on equity over 20%. If you look at their Q1 2023 fact sheet, it's at 23.8%, which is actually a very healthy return. For reference, you can compare that to Chile, which is 11.1%, which is even surprising considering you, you would think Chile is actually a pretty business friendly country, but Scotiabank hasn't been able to be that great over there. So they're going to, as part of their strategic review, they're going to try to fix that. So historically, I'm talking now, you know, a number of years ago, Scotiabank had focused on just trying to be so international that they tried to just go everywhere. It wasn't good really not positive. Their strategy was so scattered. It's hard to focus, right? Uh, and now over the last few years, they've really focused on reducing that number of countries. And now the focus is going to be on operational excellence in the few countries that they choose to really double down on. Now, as I said previously about Scotiabank, I do personally believe in this Pacific Alliance. I think, you know, those are dynamic populations. They're young. Things are getting better over there you know, in terms of human development, people's dreams and aspirations, people want more, right? And, and things are improving. So I think this is a good growth avenue for the long term for the bank. And uh, I think that remains a differentiator as well for us being based in Canada, but having that exposure to Latin America. Now, anyway, to re-articulate my strategy uh, on banks within my portfolio, and I think I already have, but let's say it again. I currently own three banks, being Scotiabank, TD, and EQB. Scotiabank is my largest. I have increased my exposure to TD when it fell due to the Silicon Valley Bank collapse. So that was great opportunity to do so. I have not added more to EQB, though I am looking at that. Fortunately, the stock price has been pushing up. It's not as undervalued as it used to be, at least. I like having those three banks because they do give me exposure to different areas. Scotiabank, of course, as we just said, Pacific Alliance, Latin America. TD is really that American exposure. And EQB is that fintech digital bank space. It also grows much faster than the others, has a lower payout ratio than the others. And it's just really, really good bank. So I like having those three. I am not really looking at adding another at this time, though, you know, I hear a lot of good about National Bank. I also like Royal Bank. I will point out Royal Bank and TD are the only two Canadian banks that are categorized as the global systemically important banks. Basically, banks that are so important to the whole world that they are too big to fail-ish. Um, so those are only Royal Bank and TD. So if I were to add another bank, it probably would be Royal Bank. But for now, you know, I like the three that I have. And my exposure to financials is way too much. So I'm unlikely to really add to banks at this point in time. With that said, I also have zero plans of actually selling just because those three banks are core holdings in my portfolio. So my plan is to keep accumulating when it makes sense and hold and get those increasing dividends over time. Now, the next item on our agenda, my friends, you know me by now, this would not be a real Newcomer Investor episode if we did not have something about Brookfield. Brookfield has announced they are trying to purchase a company called Network International for $2.7 billion. Uh, there is another bid going on by someone else, so who knows who will end up getting it. Uh, it's really up to Network International at this point. Now, what is Network International? They are based in the United Arab Emirates, specifically in Dubai. They are a payments provider for online merchants uh, in the Middle East and Africa. 
uh, to give you a couple of numbers, they've processed 42 billion uh, in volume from 150,000 merchants in 2021. So it's quite large. I believe it is the number one payments provider uh, in that part of the world. They are listed on the London Stock Exchange over in the UK, and they are a constituent of the FTSE 250 index. Fun fact, they became the first independent vendor in the Middle East to be certified by both MasterCard and Visa for payments. Now, why the interest in this company? Uh, I haven't reviewed any official statements from Brookfield on this. This is just me, my opinion here, but everything to do with payments processing as the world continues to digitize and more and more people, you know, kind of dump cash and start actually paying with their credit cards and things like that. This is all good stuff uh, for companies like that. And Brookfield absolutely wants a piece of that. Uh, and they've also had a growing interest in investing in the Middle East. I mean, they've been investing in a region for a number of years already, but they view it as a really strategic part of their international operations as well. So overall, sounds like a good move for Brookfield. I will mention, ironically, they actually already own the number two company in that space, uh, in the UAE. That company is called Magnati or Magnati International. And if that acquisition were to go through, then Brookfield would basically have 60 to 65% of payment volume in the UAE. So once again, it's just them flexing, demonstrating how much money they have and all the things they can buy. For me, it confirms my thesis again that buying Brookfield is like having a giant ETF in a bunch of industries and in a bunch of countries. It's a very easy way to just get that whole global exposure with attractive returns. Anyhow, we've reached the end of the episode. There's everything I want to talk about for today. As always, please give us a like on YouTube, give us a subscription, give us a five-star review, you know, anything to support the channel. I appreciate you all, and I look forward to connecting again with you soon.